Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Welcome to After Party Pod. I'm your host, Anna David. I'm so excited about the guest that we have today. I'm mildly obsessed with her. I think I told her several times throughout the episode. She handled it, I would say, well, honestly. Uh, Her name is Claudia Lano. She uh, was an actress and is now an extremely successful writer and TV producer. She played Diana on Knott's Landing. You all remember that. She was on it from 1979 to 1984, as in, like, while I was watching, not not Landing, I was watching more like Fantasy Island and The Love Boat, which she guest starred on, by the way. Um, So she did that for a long time. And then she, I mean, to hear her tell it at all bottom, she, you know, everything went terribly. And then she ended up, uh, she ended up creating a television show called Rude Awakening, starring Sherilyn Fenn, that was on Showtime from 1998 to 2001. And it was all about being sober, an actress struggling with sobriety. Uh, and so, so that happened. Then she was on a bunch of other shows, um, including she's the half-sister of the actor Michael Rappaport. Uh, they did a Fox show together called The War at Home. She was on Accidentally On Purpose. And then last year, she created, wrote, and produced the ABC sitcom How to Live with Your Parents for the Rest of Your Life, which starred Sarah Chalk and Brad Garrett and Elizabeth Perkins. Now, that was that's based on her life. I went to interview her and in the home of her parents. She is she moved back home with her parents when she thinks it all fell apart. Um, I thought she I think of her life is incredible. Oh God, I'm doing that embarrassing thing in the intro. Jesus, I, I'm not because I you know am working on acceptance. I am actually not going to stop and re-record. But what I'm going to tell you is that that show was great. I do not like shows like that. I loved this show, and it was really just the story of her life brought to ABC, which um, was amazing. Unfortunately, um, the show is no longer. She's fine. She's on another show, um, the new Sean Hayes show. Um, she, meanwhile, she is 28 years sober. And um, I think just an incredibly inspiring, incredibly smart, incredibly honest woman um, who may block me on Twitter now that she listens to this introduction. Anyway, the theme song you heard is by Seth Rothschild, sung by The Patience. I'm Anna David. You're about to hear Claudia Lano. I love you guys for listening. Thank you. Is Like, we're recording. And was that so? No, that's not so hard. Maybe I just made it look easy. You do. You make everything look oh, easy. Oh, isn't that the truth? <laughs> okay, but so, okay, so as I was telling you, yes. 
my experience, um, my awareness of you, okay, started, so, so I was in my, the worst part of my addiction, like, hold up for years, doing cocaine, writing nonsensical garbage. Amidst the writing of the nonsensical, sensical, I do know how to speak, garbage, I wrote this really good spec for Sex in the City. It was like one of these rare moments where I did it. It got sent out and I had real meetings. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was like so out of my mind. But the real meeting where there was an actual job available where I saw the show and I'm like, oh my God, I could write on the show was your show. Thank you. Yeah, it, well, thank you. It was, the, it was truly, uh, exciting and surreal. So that was Rude Awakening. Right. And this was a show that was all about a, a woman in LA trying to be sober. Yes, it was, uh, it was, um, well, you know, first of all, how that came about was so crazy. Okay, tell me. At the time that I wrote Rude Awakening, um, I had left my ex-husband. Right. My daughter, I guess at that time, was about three or four. I had been living with my parents for a couple of years with not any, with nothing. I mean, right. not a pot to piss in. My, I kept my money in a coffee can. We were sleeping on the floor. The My bottom that I had had was almost nothing compared, <sighs> at least financially, to this bottom. How long were you sober at that point? I was sober uh, 12 years, 14 years. Wow. 12 okay. or 14 years. And I was... I had finally made a little bit of headway, not in terms of, uh, well, I had made a tiny, tiny bit of headway in terms of writing, which had never been my original goal, but which I had been working on throughout my sobriety, I guess is the only word, right. uh, underneath still pursuing acting. Right. And, um, you know, I had written a spec. Like, so a spec team? Awakening yeah. was a spec pilot. Right. Uh, I didn't have an agent. Um, I had sort of pitched it or talked about it to Joe Voci, who... Who's that? He was an executive at a production company, Mandalay. And my friend, Andrea Abbott, they had made a pilot together, and that's right. how I met him. And that was my first room experience, was helping on Andrea's pilot. Okay, which was what? I think that one was, that was called Totally Cool. Okay, and so the in UPN. helping on that, you, oh my God, remember UPN? Yeah. So in helping on that, you were like, oh, television, you got... You uh, well, know, I had already been work trying. I'd okay. written a bunch of, I'd written, I just couldn't, I didn't have any business acumen. Right. And I, my, my sense of myself and the way I thought other people saw me, which may honestly have been accurate, was uh, I was a failed actress and a mediocre comic whose stepfather owned the club that I performed in. Okay, what club? The Improv. He, that, he, that man, that man I just met owned The Improv, but he, he doesn't. Owns the he improv. still owns The Improv. He's Bud Friedman's partner. They okay, own The okay, Improv okay, worldwide. Okay. Just had and uh, my mother was a comic. Right. And, um, uh, and I had been on a television show and hung out at the improv every night and knew what all in the middle of the comedy boom but, it was a great time okay wait but you're, go, you're going way too fast yes. okay so you were on knots land yes i was not on just Knott's on Knott's a television show but you were on it for on years and years and years. years anyway so by the time i'm sleeping on my parents floor yes i have i have 
come up with an idea for my early sobriety experience. Right. Uh, and autobiography about a former nighttime soap opera actress right. who gets sent to, we called it Addictions Anonymous, by the court. Right, right. And I told Joe about it, and he said, you should go home and write that, which is sort of a way for people to say, well, I'm buying you lunch, and I'll continue to talk to you, but right. there's nothing I can do for right, you. Right, right. Well, I did. I would write it at night after my daughter went to sleep, you know, and I was working as Andrea Abbott's personal assistant oh in God. her house, like wow. picking up her son. I mean, I did, you know, picking up, picking up her son, uh, dry cleaning, her, yes, yeah, dry cleaning, returning Marketing, her Victoria's maybe. Secrets uh, yeah. catalog yeah. purchases, calling around to. Well, I won't say that. <laughs> Because although it's very funny, um, <laughs> I want to know that. Uh, I so, so uh, like at night, yeah. and I'm pretty much writing about my first year of sobriety. Well, my first how this happened, not me, a fictionalized version of me, and a fictionalized version of my parents. Mm -hmm. If I was had been more famous, and if I were more messed up, right? Basically right, right. exaggerating. Right. I was not that famous, and honestly. I didn't do that many bad things, and I got sober very young. So right. there wasn't that much stuff to do. Right, right. But, but I hung out at a bar every yeah. night. I, I, you know, I mean, I knew I, I had things. Yes, I, I had know. things, and I had, I believe, a persona. So I sent the first act to Joe, and he says it's great. Keep going. In the middle of this, I declare bankruptcy. Again, a car accident on the way to declare bankruptcy, and run into the room. I, would, I had just put my head through the windshield. Oh my God. With blood streaming down because if you didn't get there in time, I mean, my life was hectic. Yes. Finish it, uh, send it into Joe. He takes it out because he was a great producer without anybody saying you can do that. Yeah. And all of a sudden, uh, people, uh, I have this, uh, Showtime is interested, and, wow. and all these people are interested, and people are, and I have my home numbers on the script. Right. People are calling wow. me. I didn't have any clothes. I had to go to these meetings. I wore right. my mom's clothes. Right. All my clothes were, you know, crappy. And, I mean, I hadn't been, no, nobody gave crap about me for many, many, many years. Right. I mean many years. That's why it's amazing. Yeah. Like, who could hang in that long? I, I don't recommend it. Right. But up. you had no I mean, I had no choice. Yeah. I hadn't gone to college. I really didn't know what I was well, going to do. You didn't go ever. No, I was on television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was your college. So I, you know, I didn't have anything to fall back on. Yeah. And I'm living with my parents and I have a kid. Yeah. And anyway, uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, one thing led to another, and Joe Fochi, who's a brilliant producer, uh, said to Showtime, um, you know, you can't just pick this up as a pilot. You have to pick up 13 episodes. I don't know. You know, and they said, well, what are they? She has to come in and tell us what the first season is. Joe said, you have to come up with what the first season of this series is. And I did, and that was my first pitch meeting. Was I'm with every executive oh at Showtime God. wearing my mom's suit? <laughs> Did Andrea help you? Was it just you? Uh, we talked about yeah. it, but I uh, know I think I, uh, I I I mean she helped me a lot in my career. But for this, this was I basically pitched a bunch of you know my first year of sobriety, right? And you know I mixed and matched a bunch of crap together, and they really they loved the script. 
So I think the main thing that occurred to me in the middle of the meeting is, look, this is a very, nobody has, I mean, this, it was ahead of its time. Yes. It was very low budget, so it never quite came out, the, it never really looked the way, you wanted, the way it to. wanted it to. But there was no heroin like this on television, no. or had ever been. And by the way, I would argue that still today, yes, it is a storyline in a lot of things, but there's, are there heroines that are like struggling with sobriety? Well, I, I think I, it wasn't just that she was struggling with sobriety. She was uh, unlikable in a lot of ways. She right. was deeply flawed. Right. And right. making, you know, and trying to improve herself, but she was coming from an incredibly flawed place. Right, right. And that first thing, it, I mean, the you know, <laughs> It was really, she's just doing one bad thing after another. Right. And, you know, it was the thing, it's about redemption, you know. Right. And, and but, so you've got to, something's got to be bad at the beginning. But in I thought, in the middle of the meeting, I thought, you know what, uh, it's so, if they like me, they'll think this is possible. Right. And they liked me. Right. So I said, I, I'm, a, I'm a nice, I'm a likable person, I guess. Right. So I know Very how much. to make this, you know, and this is my story, sort of. I think I know how to make this, you know, I don't know what the hell happened. But I walked out of that, and now I was, I had just created a show that was going into its first season. And, wow. And could, that, never, could that happen today with the 13 episodes and the person who's never been on a show. Yeah, it can happen today, but it, it's still very rare. Yeah, you know, but I it mean, was rare then, too. It was, I think it was Unheard almost, of. you know, beyond yeah. rare. I mean, the things I had going for me was I was cheap. Right, right, right. You know, I right. mean, I you could get me for a song. I had just declared <laughs> bankruptcy. So right. I had, you know, I, what do I know? And we, and I didn't know any better to ask for, you know, to know how, what an insane proposition this whole thing was. Right. And, but it, and it was before Showtime's golden age, for it was, sure. Yeah, it was in between the Hot Tub Hollywood Showtime and Weeds right. Showtime. Right, You know, that first season, well, the first two seasons, second season was a little bit more fraught, but... Uh, you know, was uh, I, I, I unlike anything? Uh, nothing has been like that. It was, it was, it was beyond incredible. So okay, and it was Sherilyn Fenn played, you know, Me. your alter ego. Yeah, Sherilyn Fenn, Lynn Redgrave played her mom. Right. Um, uh, Jonathan Penner <laughs> played the sort of. Well, can can you curse on this? Oh yeah, as much I think, as you know, you want. her best, her fuck buddy, yeah. best friend, yeah. Rain Pryor right. was on, uh, who played another like a like friend, a friend, in, the in lesbian Friday. roommate of of Jonathan Penner, and um, Tim Curry uh, was on for a while. My stepfather was on. Um, uh, Roger Daltrey, Beverly D'Angelo. I mean, uh -huh. we had some really cool yeah. people on the show. You know, we really did. It was and so sweet. when you were and you, so you were talking about recovery and sobriety yes. and relapse and all these things that were not part of our vernacular at the time. What years were this was nine? This was ninety eight. It started. It right. was pretty. It was not. I mean, Lara Kett had been on. Right. Uh, the Michael Keaton movie had come out, and so yes. had Postcards from the Edge. It was not like it was in the eighties. Right. People, people kind of knew. Right. Um, I think. Uh, you know, um, and and we it was difficult, you know, because you didn't want to focus 
so much on lexicon and jargon that you right. have to keep explaining everything every yeah. week. So, um, but yes, we were, we did, we, I mean, we really did. I mean, we had her struggle with her, you know, you know, her spiritual, I mean, that was a great episode. That was so good. I mean, it was good. It was good. It had real moments of, you know, her, you know, praying and everything. I mean, I it, can't, it's hard to imagine even. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, this is what I, so, so my experience. She was incredible. I she mean, was great. She really was. I, I had a more comedic interpretation of the piece and the role, but, you know, she really brought, uh, you know, a depth and she was pretty game for anything. Yeah. I mean, she really was, uh, you know, the kind of actress who throws herself into something and cares deeply about what she's doing. And she was, that was her first thing, big thing after playing Audrey on. I, yeah, I mean, she had a bunch of different things right. and, and it was, uh, you know, it was pretty risky for her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was risky for everybody, but, you know, she, I, you know, <laughs> it was, you know, was it was uh, it was remarkable. It was a remarkable experience. Um, okay, and so, but so my so yes, my experience you. is so so I had this the Sex in the City spec right. that that um, was the only decent thing I'd ever written, and it was the only thing I'd written not on cocaine. Uh huh. So there was a you know there was there's some like reason the two items are related, mm -hmm. and so I had this agent and they were they were like people like this script we think we can get you staffed with this and then and then they were like we've got a meeting for you i had a bunch of meetings that work like it was like weird like law and order and just things that were clearly not right for mm -hmm. me and um i don't know why the meetings even happened and i remember so well getting the meeting and i guess it was with you and andrea but yeah. i don't remember andrea i just remember that i drove somewhere in the valley don't even tell me i drove here I well, you didn't drive here, but you didn't drive to the valley. I drove. Are you sure I didn't drive to the I'm valley? I'm positive because I remember the meeting too, and we didn't shoot in the valley. So we were at Hollywood Center Studios, which is on Santa house. Monica and Las Palmas. Granted, I was out of my mind. So anything is totally. I would. This was also the period of time where I was taking like 10 a.m. in a night, and so I'd find myself driving during the day, wondering where I was going and why. Uh -huh. So I cannot be trusted. I don't even think we were living in this house at that time. I. What I remember, uh -huh. not that this should mean much, is that I drove, I had been up all night doing coke by myself, and I, and, and I feel like watching the VHS copies of Rude Awakening that I was given uh -huh. was like my first exposure to like recovery and sobriety. Wow. And I, yes, and I was like, this is so weird and this is so threatening, yet this is so appealing. Like, you have no idea this bizarre, crucial role it's played in my life. Uh -huh. And I... And I was like, I want to be on the show, and I'm like, and I didn't really have the awareness to know I was an addict or anything like that. And all I remember is that I sat in this room with cocaine drip, drip going down the back of my throat, wanting this job, you know, because also not understanding that my happiness was based on all sorts of things. I thought, you know, you get the job and uh -huh. life gets perfect. Right. So I was like, this needs to happen. And I just remember meeting you and that you were just so, I'm not blowing smoke, just so cool and beautiful and smart and savvy and sober. And that was just, those did not really compute, you know? Uh -huh. And I remember you saying to me, do you, do you know AA? Have you ever been, you asked me something. Yeah, just yeah, how well, are I you asked everybody. Yeah, 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 exactly. But I was just like, and I remember going, ah, no. 
<laughs> horrified and offended, um, and and yet knowing that I, it was such a just bizarre thing for me. And then that, and then I, you know, I didn't get hired, um, which uh, was a good thing, let's just say, because mm-hmm. I had some b- more bottoming out to do. And then all I knew is. Um, you know, I ended up getting sober very right. shortly after that, and and one day, and you always like, I was just like, oh, Claudia Lano, she's just like, the, you know, that's what can happen if you get sober, kind <laughs> oh of a God. thing. Yes. And then one day I was like walking by, like I don't even know, and you was just like outside of me or something, and you were just like, oh, hey, Anna, are you going in here? <laughs> so casual, and I'm like, and I have no idea if I made a speech to you then, and said, do you understand the role you've played in my life? I remember, I remember seeing you. I, I, I. I don't, I think, yeah, I think you were, uh, I think you said something to me. I don't know whether I, I played a big role, though that's great to hear, honestly. It's true. That's it's nice really to hear. true. Um, yes. Okay, so we're done with me. Okay. So, so Rude Awakening is all on for three seasons, is that? Yes, it was on for three seasons, 55 episodes. And then? And then I, um, and then for a while, Andrew and I partnered up. And um, you know, we sold a bunch of things, and and I I really wanted to work on another staff. You know, I I I did. So I and so we parted ways. She wasn't that interested in that, and I started working on Less Than Perfect, and I was on that for the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I, I and I made other, you know, I was always working on something. I had a short-lived show which I really loved. The Jenna Elfman show. You no, know, I had another one. What uh, was the what? It was called that was good, good Girls Don't. It was on the Oxygen Network. Okay. That, man, that show was the most fun. What it was, was it? really uh, a, a, you know, again, ahead of its time. <laughs> ahead of its time. Yeah. You know, we, it was a single camera show and, um, it was, uh, you know, young people. Yeah. Just, you know, just ha- it was a fun show. It was a little. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, but more female centered. Mm-hmm. Who was in it? Uh, Bree Turner, mm-hmm. Joy Goring, Nicole Hiltz, Kevin Christie. Not famous. You know, it was not famous people. Brent King, but it was just. It was the most fun. I think that was one of my most. Fun experiences because we really um, did not have a lot of network or studio interference, and I really learned a lot about making a show. You know, it was again low budget, but the technology had changed so much since we did *Rude Awakening* with single camera shooting and the cameras and the film. Uh, I it was just, and we at that time. Again, predating things that are on television now, uh, I was bringing in episodes of the uh, the English Office and another oh uh, single camera show from Canada. How did you know about that? You just I don't know, you know, just around just and said, you know, we can shoot like this, and you know, we didn't have talking into the camera mockumentary. But we did have looking into the camera for no reason. <laughs> we just like, well, what can we do that doesn't cost anything that'll be just be interesting? Right, right. So we did every once in a while. Person would kind of look at the camera <laughs> and go like that. I was we. I mean, really had a great time on that show. It was 
one of my favorite experiences ever. And how long was that? That was just eight episodes. Okay. It was so great. It was so, it was so funny. I'm not even kidding. And we, it was innovative. You know, we, we didn't, I, I, you know, they're young people, but you can't afford current music. But I always felt, even on Rude Awakening, that the TV music, like when you hire a composer, doesn't sound like any music anyone listens right, to. Right, right. So we were able to work out these deals with these up-and-coming bands uh, to use their music in the show and then had a CD card. It was like no one had ever done that before. My friend who is super into music, uh, Jack Rudy, and is also a lawyer, would come up with these deals. Amazing. It was it was great. I mean, it was so much. I, it was it was seriously the most fun I've ever had. I mean, I've had fun before, but that one seemed like you know the lack of money plus real new ideas and just a a, a cast that was you know open for everything and a great crew. And we used the. Uh, a uh, guy who does lighting, uh, who's the DP for Curb, uh -huh. so he was also like able to. Wow. It was just like you know, oh, right. yeah, we can, just uh, whatever you want. Yeah, we could do this, we could do that. It was really fun. It was really fun. Yeah, I mean, I f I feel like um, yeah. So it was the it was like the independent the fact that it didn't cost a lot of money, yes. and therefore you didn't have a bunch of people no trying to control. No, we it. did well too. We got good reviews. It's just business things right all fall apart but it wasn't anything to do with us and yeah. also it was a scripted show and they don't really want that on yeah uh, whatever it was great it was dirty <laughs> okay that like is that on hulu can i find that i don't know if you can find it but if you go on youtube you can okay. you know one of the actresses put a bunch a uh, joy gorham so she's her reel is on so you can see a bunch she was brilliant and i mean brilliant i've never worked with anybody wow. i thought she was she is a just an incredible actress. Anyway, so okay, so that there was that. Yes. And then, oh, you just want me to go through every. Well, little okay. Thing? So, well, I know. Like, well, we can, we'll do highlights. We're okay. gonna do like. Uh, well, I worked on uh, War at Home um, with my brother. Okay. It was fun. Uh, my half brother is Michael Rappaport. Yes. And he was the star of the War at Home. <laughs> you know that was off for two years, and I. Uh, I, I, and that was like another, you know, one of the things that I've realized, which is, this is now this career which I almost like never expected to be having. Right. Um, has been 15 years, been like so long now. Yeah. You know, been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and there's so much uncertainty sadly you know you really you can't control right but still does it feel like there's uncertainty i mean i have this idea oh you're so established at this point well that... no of course there's uncertainty i mean the, my last show i thought it was being you know the morning that we were canceled i had was having conversations with them about who i was going to hire i love the show Thank i you. really love the show and so let's so let's so it was so good so i have to say i'm I'm pretty much not over that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if how how, how long that's going to take. Yeah, it was, this was like shocking. It was a it was a, a shock. Everybody loved the show. Well, look, not everybody loved well, the show. Well, I mean, but we were on. We really had six weeks to be a hit. 
Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And when we were on with original Modern Families, or really any kind of promotion, you did we did great. Yeah. We were not better. Yeah. We did pretty well. We right. did, in fact, I mean, one of our nights when we were on with a repeat of Modern Family, we had better retention, which is important, yeah. uh, than anything that's ever been in that spot. Anything, anything. Right, right, right. So it was an, uh, it was an incredibly rewarding experience right but and 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 clearly I mean we're, we're recording this in the house that I have been living in with my parents right in the other room and the doors are opening and closing and I have so much uh, so many still stories and so much affection and so much emotion invested in the relationship that I have with them and also I'm telling you, you know, Claudio, you want to hire this one, you want to hire this one, that day. So it was, uh, and I think it was a hard decision for them too. I mean, I can't say I think they made the right decision because I don't think they did. Right. But they weren't like, we weren't like, I didn't know leading up to it. Right, so they right. You had every belief that it was yes. going to, that it was doing every well. Every belief and that, that it was, that it hadn't quite found its audience yet, but it had a very loyal following. Because right. I haven't ever had online response to anything I've done from the public to the degree that I did with that well, show. Well, yeah, it was so personal. I get, you know, Yes, Rude Awakening was personal, but like, so, and so... And that so, predated the internet. And yeah. that was a, I mean, I love Rude Awakening. Right. That was a crass, dirty right. show. And right. I mean, Bill Maher said it was the dirtiest show on television, <laughs> and that's... He knows. Yeah, you know, it was... Dirty. I mean, we were on. We were trying to appeal. We, you know, we were trying had to figure out how to get a topless girl. You know, get a naked girl in every episode. It's hard. Yeah. Hard to figure out that. Um. So you, but and, and so how to live with your parents for the rest of your life had been something you had been talking about ever since you moved in, right? Yes, I pitched it. I was pitching it for ten years. I had written another version of it for HBO, like years before that. I had given up. I had And know. so do you think it because it if it had been cable and there had been more time to Well, I don't know whether it would have been uh you know, it's a family show and, and I don't know I don't know. I don't know what would be the right I think it was in the right place. <laughs> it was in the right place. They just place. made the wrong choice. I, I, it just did not, couldn't compete yeah. with the new shows they have. They liked better. I felt like all I did was see ads for it and yeah, yeah. billboards for yeah, it. Yeah, no, and it was good for, it was good, but then when you put us on, you know, it was so late in the season. I mean, it was great to get, and they, there's a bunch of business reasons. Yeah. I, 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 and I, that's fine. And it wasn't like uh, it had some big hook or whatever. I don't know. I thought, and I, I, I thought it was, you know, a sweet, I thought it was sweet and funny. I, that's what I liked about it. Yeah, I just, the, I, yeah, I just don't tend to like, I mean, I've never seen Modern Family, I just don't tend to watch shows like that, and I watched it because of you, and I loved it, and Thank I you. was really, I was disappointed, too, and, um... Thank you very much. Yeah, but, um... Anyway, so, the point is, you can't control anything. Yeah, yeah. You can't control anything. The only, and I like to focus my attention on controllable things. Yeah. Things Smart. that I can absolutely no will 
you know, I can manage. And so, in, I'm, I'm, can you pause it for a minute? <laughs> this might be kind of funny, though. Okay. I'll take my car. Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. I love that. We were thinking about switching cars. Switching cars? Yes, because the parking, because I'm living in, whatever. But you're moving, you're leaving your I'm parents. leaving. She, she take my car and I take hers because maybe hers is easier to park in the parking space at the new condo. Where she's not going. No, I would... Like we'd literally switch cars forever. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she'd take my Ford Fusion and I'd take her Mini Cooper, but I wanted to take it down and see does this fit in the parking space right. better. See, this is what but I'm I But I just love about. that it's your mom that drives the Mini Cooper. Like I yeah. saw that and I go, oh, that's Claudia's car. No, that's my mom's car. It's crazy. That's, that's the least crazy car she's ever had. I mean, she used to have these weird, very low to the ground cars where I go, are you, how are you seeing at the windshield? I mean, right. You know, whatever. Look, she's fine. It's never an accident. Um, but so. Yeah. Uh, this kind of thing goes on. Oh, well, that's what's. I yes, know. this kind of thing. Like, yes, but many, many things go on. So the only thing you can control are your relationships with the people you work with. Yeah. And I get a lot from that. And on the war at home, I had, I mean, even though whatever the show, blah, 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 but I really made great, I made some fantastic friendships in that room that really mean a lot to me. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. you can only... That's it. That's all. Well, that's all you can. That's all you can bank on. All we have is each other. In, right. That is real and reliable. Right. In a writing, a, te a writing, television writing career, in terms of your other writers, you're they're the only ones. Right. <laughs> you, right. You know, and even some of the executives. You know, because we're all sort of in this thing, whatever this thing is, this business, and you know, it's. You know, those moments or that this or, you know, that, that time we laughed or that right. episode we did. I mean, uh, even on, I, actually on purpose, which was, you know, another show I really liked. <laughs> I thought was pretty, pretty good. It was on for a while. Oh, yeah, you know, the highest rated show they canceled that year. So mm -hmm. that seems to be my curse. But, uh, no, that was just a season. But I had such a great time on that. I mean, I really did. Well, it's funny. The, what, what you were saying is funny because I was talking to this girl this morning, and she was talking about how she, how she went on a date and how, you know, she wasn't in her head about what's going to happen. And it's kind of exactly what you were just saying. It's like it's actually the same thing with our human relationships as well. It's yes. Like we, yes. especially alcoholics or whatever, neurotic people, who knows, like just are sort of like, okay, well, what does this mean? So is this going to work? So does this mean that this will happen and this will happen? Or as opposed to like, I mean, it like a, a business like that and publishing is not all that different where you better pick your moment you better just be having fun while it's happening because yeah. there are no guarantees it's not like I'm I'm in my head as much as anybody else I just you know at the same time you know what what like let's say you're in a bad mood yeah uh, let's say you're depressed yeah okay even when you're depressed you're not depressed every second every second right 
you know, there's pockets, somebody makes you laugh, you eat a meal you like, you talk to your friend. Right. Something happens that is a relief from it. Then generally, if it's me, I remind myself I'm depressed. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> you right, know? right. So it's the same thing with being in your head. Like, I'm in my head, you know, and I, if I'm trying to do something, you know, my first thought is, is, is some grandiose uh, fantasy of, you know, what I'm going to be, you know, what fabulous thing's going to happen to me and how everyone will say nice things about me. Right. And, you know, I'll be this and that'll happen and my picture will be here and then, oh my God, I better make sure the picture's okay. Right. And what am I going to wear and blah, 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 you know, all of that. And, and then, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, and then real life happens. Yeah. And I just try to go... I just try to focus on like the actions that I do that I can make an uh, try to do better. That's, right. That's all. Right. You right. know, when I pitch something, a lot of the times I get, you know, it gets. I don't. It's a, there's a performing ex aspect to it that makes me very anxious. Because, Which is interesting. Yes, because of my history. Yes. Well, because you know, fourteen bad years of acting will definitely ruin your confidence and um, so and you know it's all oh, the stakes and blah, oh they'll never buy this uh, yeah. usually I think well you know what uh, I don't know if I can sell this honestly however this is going to be the best pitch my only goal when I go to pitch is to get asked back for yeah. the next one good 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 so I just try to focus on one day at a time it should yes you know what uh, this pitch is this is all of this show right now the pitch is all that exists. Yeah. It's the only real thing. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That is the show, is this pitch. Right. So I write it all out. I practice it every day. I put a timer on because practicing it makes me anxious because I'm thinking about it. Yes. So I put the timer on. I'm going to say this out loud for an hour. Yeah. That's a but, Well, it makes you anxious, but doesn't then it bring, it makes you feel calm. I mean, that the fact that you have practiced. Gee, I don't know if anything makes me feel calm. I, I, I Usually, I, I just, you know, I'm a little bit better about it now. I mean, preparation definitely alleviates nerves, but you know, the thing that's difficult about preparation is that it reminds you of the event. I know. I mean, you have to push through it. It's very difficult. It's weird. I've been, I've been recently thinking about this because, you know, I have this storytelling show that I've been trying to get you to come to, and I, I mean, to do, and I oh, will God. one day succeed. Yeah. Um, and for a long time, do I you have to write the story? Or just you tell can just tell story? it if you want. Do people do that? They, I think. I would write it. Well, I, as it's very much uh, yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. So I would, so I sort of had this idea and I used to have this idea when I would go on hosting auditions that uh -huh. like a talented person should be able to wing it. And it was some like, it was also some like weird fear of success kind of a thing. And so I was trying to wing it and it was not going well. And then I realized, oh my God, I really have to practice. And I have to do that thing that I'm self-conscious about doing, which is like in a room alone, maybe I'm recording myself and feeling like a cliche, mm -hmm. you know, and and that and that that actually makes it. It sounds so obvious. It makes it go well. Oh yeah. I thought there was something weak or lame or cliched about preparation for things like that. It meant you weren't talented or something. Yeah. I I mean I I've done uh, this. I have. I mean I have stories. I've done them before. But uh, for sit and spin. 
Yeah, it's like right? Sit and Spin. Uh, Which, and oh my god, I saw Jill Soloway's movie last night. It's fantastic. Oh my god. Isn't it fantastic? Oh my god. Yeah, she's my spirit animal right now. I just, yeah, she, uh, um, I, I raved about it on Twitter and she started following me. I was like, yes! Yeah, yes. no, she's, a, she's great. I mean, a genius. Um, I know, it's fantastic. That story is great. You should interview her. Yeah, How yeah. she got that together was amazing. Oh, yeah, I don't know, but it was just, afterwards I just sat there in the theater just going, that was, that was so good, that was so good, I that know, was so good. the performances are incredible. Oh, so, yeah. so, um, how did, oh, yeah, so oh. storytelling. And, and I, I know you've done storytelling, and also I loved your... Your Kindle single, I kind of oh, thought, thanks. would be good stories. <laughs> yeah, well, those are those yeah. came from the yeah. stories I've done. The sit and spin. The sit and spin. Right. Yes, those came from that. Yeah. You know, which all, uh, but uh, like recently I did Ask Cat at UCB. I've never seen that. I'm dying to oh see my that. God, you've got to go. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, one of the guys who does it was on How to Live, who I, and I found, you know, I discovered it. Who was he? He's her boss friend. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Joe Wenger. He's so talented. Anyway, so I thought, you know what, I'm not going to do my normal stories. I'll just improvise. And I got up there, and the first one, I was like, well, this is really hard. So the second time, whatever word they said, I moved it to a story I was familiar with. <laughs> so it's, a, it's like improv storytelling or yes. something? Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. I would want to do it again. I, I thought about... Like, I don't have any time, and I don't know why I would do this, but, well, I, I do know why. I thought, well, maybe you should take some improv classes. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Because I feel like it's good, it's good Anything for this, is good. for ever with that, especially, it's like, you know, um, and I actually looked into it, and I was so close that I, that I went to the thing, and then the wins, the one I could do was full, but they, they have new ones all the time. Yeah, they do. I, it's like, you know, like, having done even not fantastically I never felt stand-up helps has helped me in so many situations. Tell me about your stand-up bit is the part of you I do not know about this. Well you know I improv? Oh I did it on and off. Uh, The first time I went on was at the New York improv when I was 15. Oh my god. Because you know I was already doing whatever you know like teenage. I went to that did you go see the movie Camp? Yes. Okay, but you I went, went to, to that camp. camp. I went to the did. camp with the guy who wrote the movie. Camp. Right, of course he did. Uh, that was an amazing movie. It was great, and camp was amazing. And I took acting classes from the du- the crazy Cuban dude who was the acting the guru. It was so insane. The seventies. I mean, right. Boy, I really. You know, these kids today, they just don't know what, what danger is. <laughs> they just don't know what danger is. And yet is. we're more concerned. Because you grew up in New York. Yes. Not here at Not all. Not here. You were all, you were in New York. I moved out here when I was 15. Okay. So, uh, in any case, I had gone back to New York to visit my dad and uh, for Christmas and, you know, take my guitar with me, whatever, and I called up... Uh, you know, because I was just like, you know, you've got to, you've got to always be. Uh, that's the, the the family I grew up in. It's right. Constant, you know, ambitious drive. Right. Right. And I grew so, up similarly. yes, I called the dude who managed the improv, who later went on to run HBO, Chris Albrecht, and okay. I used to babysit his then girlfriend's kids when my parents did improv in 
Manhattan okay. before we moved and said, can I do audition night? So I, you know, went on. I sang a song that I had written with my guitar, which was like my big high school song uh, called Fuck the World. And it starts out really sweet. So, you know, I got a lot of laughs. And then... So it's like Simon and... Uh, it's like, yes. what are their names? What are their names? Uh, Simon and Oates or Oates and Garfunkel. Yeah, they're so great. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was like that. Okay. Um, yes, I guess it was like that. You were the precursor. Yes. Ahead whatever. of your time Everything. yet again. And so, and then I had, and then, so I was always kind of working or, and then my parent, and then my stepfather had the improv out here while I was doing Knots Landing. My friend and I had an act that was like the singing, okay. more singing, and uh, and you know, so I would do in and out, in and out of doing stand up. Then I then I really got like five minutes, you know. Then I really got just mostly talk. Then I had a single act, which was all mostly singing. What was a single act? You know, by myself. Oh, I had a double act sure. previously, and so then I was oh, doing yeah, myself yeah. Okay. original songs, which. Uh, some big manager told me it was terrible. And <laughs> comedic original comedic, songs, great. Very comedic. Okay. And then, so he was like, you know, this is terrible. <laughs> and you're not going anywhere with this. And so then I came up with a, you know, an act act, which was never great. Okay. I have to say it was never great. But I got better at performing right. it. Right, and comfortable. Well, I mean, I did, I had this, I, I worked in Arizona at uh, Knucklehead. I mean, I had a week in Arizona. That was so awful. I was following a guy who was m much better than me, and also voices and singing and, you know, voices and stuff. But you had someone booking this all for you, like a... I think you have to do it mostly yourself. Okay, okay, okay. But, but you got yourself. I had people. Yeah. You know, I don't know what I did. It's just kind of a cobbling together yeah. of things. Yeah. Um, I'm following this guy, and he was from Arizona. Anyway, he would decimate real crowd <laughs> places. Then the I'd worst. go on, yeah. and I'm the feature, which means 30 minutes. Yeah. And you can't get off stage. Before yeah. the 30 minutes are done, uh, even if you're dying, yeah. they won't pay you. Yeah. So I would go up, I, like, you know, eight shows whatever it was that week, died every time. I was calling my mother and get doing her act. I was would calling they, every would other female. Would the crowd respond at all? They hated me. I mean, literally. I had a drink thrown at me. It was terrible. <laughs> and then the second week of that booking, I followed a normal opening act. Right. And so I did right. well. Right, right, I mean, right. I killed and I did great in Minnesota. Okay. <laughs> you know, I so... But the main thing is when I would go into a pitch, when I went into shows, I said, well, no one's going to throw a drink at you. Yeah. How bad could it be? Well, and you had all this, that was all preparation yes, to sell the show when you hadn't, you know. Yes. Well, it's like, it's funny because I, um, I always say that, like, my training for everything was at, is actually meetings. I'd never spoken in public. I'd never thought I was funny. And uh -huh. then, like, I was in meetings, and, like, people started to laugh at what I said. And I was like, and that kind of gave me the confidence to do it on television. And then and then with, with writing books, it was like, it was just like, oh, well, I can't write a book. Are you kidding me? And then I'm like, but one day at a time I could write three pages, I guess. Right. But so I feel like... And then this this live show, I booked all these really funny women, uh -huh. like super funny, super talented at the top of their game. And for about 10 shows, I had to be the worst one. 
because they were so good. And uh-huh. I was like, oh my God, I'm the girl that people go, oh yeah, she. we have to listen to her because she, she created the show. And it's like, I finally kind of got past that point and now I feel like I'm not that person. I'm sure you're not. But I had to go through that in order to get to the next. I felt like it was so funny because during the 14 bombing years of my life where (laughs) I just felt like, you know, this is, this, you know the comic Taylor Negron? Yeah. He had a joke in his act, which was, uh, I was a Hare Krishna for 20 blocks and then I said it's taking too long (laughs) and that was how I felt I felt this is taking so long I mean I don't think I'm gonna live long enough (laughs) for this to pay off but then I realized in retrospect I mean you know in retrospect things turned out well yeah that that whole time especially for Rude Awakening I was creating a character right by talking in meetings Right. Not, I mean, about myself. Right. And at a certain point, the humiliation, you know, which I mean was, the humiliation started to feel funny to me. Yeah. It started to seem comedic that the, uh, all of the things that were so difficult seemed, well, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's so funny. At the time, or only once they passed. Well, you get laughs at meetings. Yeah, and, I you know. know. So, I mean, that's the and thing. Then, but after time, I was like, you know, you know, I just, I kind of came up with a, you know, I think it's funny. You know, bad things happening to people is funny. Yeah. And, and especially... You know, I did. I did. I thought it was funny. I mean, I, yeah. I, 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 you know, at one point I was a temp, and I'm delivering packages. I was scared to drive on the freeway. I mean, I felt really good about myself that I found the places. Right, right. Well, I still feel like <laughs> you that's know. Fine. I mean, but I'm like driving for two hours in this broken down uh, car, and then all of you know, all of that. I worked at a, you know, I did a bunch of. I did a lot. Yeah. I did a lot of things. <laughs> Well, it's, yeah, so when I start to be like, oh, she's had this blessed life, I can refer to, um, oh. I know, but it's like, it's just funny how we write other stories for, oh, you know. I guess it's, I'm happy that people think that. Well, because I'm like, not Selena, she was this glamorous, like, she got to do that as like, you know, a like, young woman in there, and she just creates show after show, you know, but it never feels like that when you're in it, no, you know. No, I was that chubby teenager on <laughs> Um, now, and so now you are doing what? Uh, now I'm working on Sean Saves the World, okay. starring Sean Hayes. Great. I've seen the posters. Um, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Great. He's fantastic. Yeah. He's got a great cast. Linda Lavin, uh, Tom Lennon. Who oh, he's the funniest I, person in God, life. I yeah. he is a, a genius. Yeah. Megan Hilty, this new kid who's, uh, kid. Everybody's a kid. Come, yeah. come out of UCB named Echo Kellum, who's really great, and um, you know, and and I'm not I'm not developing anything this year, but you know, I've right, I've always got a bunch of. Things. So are you? Do you go in? You're on the staff. You yes. you're a consultant. Okay, you go yeah, in. No, I'm a co co EP. Co EP. But that's writing for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The all upper level writers are called producers. producers. Yeah. Um. Yes, you go in every day. Yeah, writer's room that we write about. Writer's room, there's a writer's room, and you have your office, and you break stories, and then you have run-throughs. It's a multicam. Right. Which I, you know, it's funny. I think, I personally, I find single camera more fun to write. 
it's more fun to write. You know, the jokes are can be. You know, you're. It's just. I don't know. Subtler. Or, you know, different. Yeah. You know, the camera picks up things. It's just a different thing. Some some of it. And uh, but multicam is fun to work on. I mean, you're doing a live show. It's fun. It's exciting. It is fun. There's an audience. It's really fun. I don't right. know how. I don't know what the uh, what the formula is to make it cool for you know people who write on the internet or review things anymore. Right. It seems right. like it's sort of impossible. But but it, but yeah. as an experience to be on. It's really fun. Well, and is it nice without all the pressure of yes. your here's your life on television well, and you could get the rug pulled out from oh under you? Oh my god. You know? you know, it's I have to say it's like when things come up, uh, I think, "Oh, that's the kind of thing I would be really anxious of." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can, I would imagine. And now it's like, "Well, whatever, you know." Yeah. <laughs> I don't have the same burden. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, when you're running a show, there's you know, the upside is that aside from your business partners of the, of the network and the studio, uh, you know, there is, you do feel like there's, you know, you're making a lot of decisions. Yeah. You know, you really are. Yeah. You're, you, you have the uh, capacity to make a bunch of decisions and that is uh, gratifying and creative fulfilling right on the other hand when you're in the room if someone's walking towards the, if someone is walking towards the room they're coming to talk to you yeah they're not coming to talk to anybody else yeah so it's you're really Overwhelming. I mean one of the things I did this panel at the WGA and um, well actually I think my boyfriend came up with this phrase it's like uh, you were a writer and now all of a sudden you're running a 7-eleven I mean <laughs> you're you're the the president of a business yeah and you go from like a kind of isolated existence or you know of writing where you to, don't really matter that much yeah, you're, you're in your office yeah. writing a script yeah to uh, you know prop people show. showing you yeah. this and yeah. costumes you've got to pick the costumes and and the locations and approve a set. I right. mean, you know. Right. And, you know, when I was doing Rude, you know, there were things that I knew subconsciously from having, grow, you know, been on a show right. and grown up in show business, but there were other things. Yeah. I, I had no idea was part of the job. Well, I didn't know. I didn't even know that was part of my job. Yeah. I mean, I had, we had one one right at the beginning <laughs> right at the beginning watching a cut of the first or second episode and what the director did on that um, I did not realize that I didn't care for right because uh, I really didn't even know uh, but we're cutting it together and one of the lines there's no camera on the, the person the, there's no face of the woman saying one of my favorite lines in the script Right. And I'm in the editing room with the executive from Showtime look, who were looking for the footage. And I'm just sort of sitting there, and she goes, Claudia, you're supposed to look for that. And I went, I thought to myself, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I was just sitting there giving performance notes. Right, right, right. Oh, that's But I didn't know. I am looking at the camera yeah. with, <laughs> to make sure 
we have a shot. We have the shots. Right. They're, right. Now they're supposed to be. They. It was a interesting dynamic for could, those particular episodes. Because shouldn't the director also be? Well, there's a woman there that's supposed to keep right. track of that as well. But she, he was a dick. Okay. So yeah. she wasn't could, there. She couldn't say anything to him. Right. And she was worried about telling me because she didn't want to get in trouble. It was just right. like, and I didn't even and, know. Yeah. Now, from then on, I went, oh, I'm like yeah, writing yeah, yeah, down everything. Yeah. You know, we need a close-up of her. Right. You know, we need a fucking single of her. Right. You know, but I didn't know. I mean, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. Ugh. I mean, the second day of shooting the first episode of Rude Awakening, I'm, I'm in the writer's room, and... Um, we're talking and you know whatever, and I'm facing the window and I'm going, wow, it's so weird the that the light is like it's all fuzzy or something. Well, let me switch places with you. So we we switch places and I'm looking at you know Andrea and Pam Mills, who was our uh, you know supervising me because you know yeah because and <laughs> I'm going wow it's still uh, okay. wow you know I I mean my vision is screwed up in my eye. Uh, you know what, I'm going to go down to my office and lie down. We're, you know, we're going to shoot soon. Yeah. Like, I lie down on the, um, uh, I'm in my office, and it's continuing on, and I start to get a panic going, you know, am I having a stroke? What is happening? I can't leave everybody. Yeah. This is, is depending on me. Now I'm lying on the floor, flipping out. Was it a migraine? All of a sudden, I remembered my mother telling me stories about when she would get a migraine and uh, wind up lying on the floor. Uh, and it was my first migraine. Oh, God. And I had to, I mean, then the pain started. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I had to go to the set. It was just like... Oh, you went through... Oh. oh what am I going to do? I, I don't leave. know. Am I, so I've three had... three people on staff. Right, right, right. You know, we three people on staff and with a crazy schedule. I mean, I had to go. Yeah. Oh, God. I've had, like, whatever, ten in my life, and it's basically, like... Well, thank, thank God for Imitrex. I don't, I don't, what is that? I just take Advil and go and lie in bed. Oh my God. What? There is this a prescription medication? Yes. Here. I'm not going to oh give it to Oh my you. God. Well, okay. You get the inhaler. Im Im inhaler? Yeah. So, okay, it's a nasal thing. A nasal spray, as soon as you feel it. Yeah. I don't nose. get the light, is the thing. What I get is just the, a pain back here, mm -hmm. and then pretty soon I'm like, nauseous and think and think I'm dying it was as soon as I'm like oh god I have to go to the hospital and then I wake and then I fall asleep eventually and I wake up in the morning and I think I imagine the whole thing yeah no get okay you had a prescription okay yeah yeah okay good to know who knew I was getting medical advice okay and so, so regarding sobriety you are how long sober now 28 years Jesus Christ yes wow yes. more years than you drank well, way more years yeah. than I was alive. Yeah, because so so okay, and it was it was like, it was cocaine and alcohol. Uh, it was. I mean, the thing that I would say the thing that really turned me into an addict and an alcoholic was cocaine. Yeah. Um, prior to that, I would call myself. I don't know whether it, it was on the road to a problem. It was. Right. I was a weekend person. And then what happened with cocaine? I, I wanted. To, well, I was. As I said, I was the chubby girl on television. 
Cokie uh, never got me thin. Oh my God, I got so thin. I you, mean, I got too thin. Okay. Um, and I had easy access yeah. to it uh, without implicating any particular people, but right. I had very easy One access. One could assume you would anyway, given where you were. Um, and I was a daily yeah, user. just snorting it. You weren't like just shooting it, and smoking it. And at a certain point, doing that, just mostly cocaine. And I tried, uh, I tried crystal, whatever was the crystal yes. meth at the time. I did not care for it. I did not care for it either. But I got to a a critical point. Yeah, okay. Uh, and you know of really bad and. Then I, I pulled back, and I started drinking, which right. seemed to balance it out. And I have to say that this entire thing, this whole episode of this part of my life, took about two to three years. Yeah. And the progression from the progression of alcoholism happened in an incredibly short amount of yeah, time. Yeah, that was my experience Because too. my, I'm not entirely sure why, uh, if it's chemical or the, what, I'm not, really don't know how, what to tell you. Right. But um, my capacity for alcohol was so high yeah. because of the cocaine. Yeah. And then, and then I had my, uh, well, they, I guess I've never really understood the Eskimo thing, but I had my experience where I was at the improv again, but mm -hmm. during the day, which I never did, I was mm -hmm. with some dude I had met mm -hmm. named Robot okay. or Robit or something. I didn't even like him. And uh, I said, well, let's just go to the improv and get some coffee. And all these people started coming out of the showroom. And uh, then I saw, I'm like, you know, saw a friend of mine who right. was not just my doppelganger at the time she was dating the guy i used to date and she was had a, she played a teenager on a nighttime soap opera oh, for wow. the same company okay, okay so she was playing the part i played on another show at that time she at was playing that time. okay that's you crazy. know they i would watch that show sometimes and they would do old storylines that we had done <laughs> And I'm like, what are you, what's happening? Is this an acting class? And she said, no, it's a 12-step meeting. I'm right. an alcoholic. And I'm like, wow, really? And what, what, do you, what, do you, what? And, right. you know, every Thursday at 12.30 and blah, blah, blah. And then she leaves, and I go, well, I've hung out with her. I mean, right. I'm way worse than she is. She wow. doesn't know half the shit I do. If she's got a problem, I, I know I have a problem. And I knew I was addicted to cocaine. Yeah. I mean, there was no question about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I wasn't on the show anymore, and the money for cocaine was not uh, coming, was in. coming yeah. in. And I literally realized... <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't. I didn't realize how much I was drinking until right. I wasn't doing coke anymore. Uh, yeah, I relate to that. I had a blackout. I. I, right. I, I mean, I, I. just, you know, it was. And I mean, I had one experience where I drank. Uh, I, I. I mean, it seems hard to believe at this point, but I drank a bottle of vodka. Yeah. Yeah. Like 
you know, yeah, I don't know. an entire bottle. Yeah, and didn't feel anything. God, that's, yeah, I, I had very similar experiences. And I was just like, I'm not well, able to get drunk. It's like you can't get, get drunk, drunk enough. Yeah. No, I yeah. couldn't get, even, get, no, I, I get it. get drunk. I get it. I said, this, I, I just feel depressed, yeah. but I do not feel drunk. Drunk, yeah. And this is so fattening. Right. Uh, on top of everything yeah. else. I mean, it really looked not good at the time. Right. And uh, and I was still going to the improv every night. And, you know, I'd had some con I had confrontations with my stepfather. About drugs? Yes, about drugs. He, Wait, you were living with them? No, you but I went into the... I don't, why you would continue to go to your parents' club <laughs> when you clearly have a problem, right. I don't know. Right, Besides right. the fact that I was... Besides the fact that I was able to get the drinks for free. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. So it was. A, it so, was a setup. So you're getting the drugs. He's. He's saying. He I said, know you're doing I, drugs. He said. What are you going to do about the fact that you're a cokehead? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I cry, cry. Yeah. And uh, I whatever. So going every night and on Wednesday nights would come and I think you know what I should go to that meeting tomorrow. And then I didn't make it. And then one Wednesday night I was partying with another teenage actress who yeah. also got sober eventually and I'm bumming her blow and right. I've drunk like six Corvassiers. I didn't feel nothing. Right. And I said, I am going to that meeting tomorrow. And for whatever reason, gullible I was I am a gullible person. Me too. Except for uh, some things, but right, right, uh, right. whatever. If I believed, I thought, well, you go there and they do it for you. Right. I, I, I absolutely believed it would work. Right, I right, absolutely right. no right. question in my mind. Yeah, that's so interesting. I was kind of the same way. Yeah. None. I, yeah. It never occurred to yeah. me that this wasn't going to work yeah. or that I have to do anything. Right. I right. thought I would just go. And when I went to my first meeting, you know, I thought, I mean, I'm Jewish. I thought it was very, I mean, it was a Christian cult. Yeah. And the God crap, I was just like, I had no idea that would be a part of it. Right. And people's bottoms were so much worse than right. mine. Right, right. However, I mean, their physical bottom. Right. But my emotional bottom yep. was so bad, but that wasn't it. It was that people talked about feeling like they never fit in. I always feel weird, you know, I always feel like, you know, there's, I always feel like I'm pretending or I, I, you know, they don't know what to say to people yeah. and that they had, you know, whatever, a black empty hole. Right. And I had been complaining about this to my parents, my mom specifically. Right. I don't know how to talk to people. I don't, I can't make friends. I don't fit in. I don't feel like other people. I mean, my whole life. Wow. My whole life. And I just went, well, I guess this is why. I mean, right. I literally went, well, right. this seems like a reasonable, <laughs> this right. seems like an answer. Right. And I never heard anybody talk yeah. about that before. Yeah. And even though I, you know, was very, really didn't, I didn't see how there was ever going to be a way that I would ever have a spiritual, you know, it didn't right. even occur to me. I mean, it did, I had something, but I did it. In that meeting, I said, uh, you know, to myself, I, God, I don't know if there is a God, but if there is, 
I can't stop drinking and doing cocaine, help me. And I never did cocaine again. Yeah. And then, and I didn't, and it took me a while to get, oh, you can't smoke pot on a Sunday. Right, right, right. Or something, at your, you know, you can't steal your, no. somebody's pot and smoke <laughs> it. Uh, and then, uh, but I didn't even, I mean, I, that was after the fact. Oh, yeah, that's the right, I smoked pot that one time. Yeah. I couldn't, my sobriety date is a little... I'm not sure. Let's pick this day. Right, <laughs> right, I wasn't, right. I wasn't keeping track, and I didn't really go. All, you know, I didn't. I just went to the one meeting, and then after a while, I went. Well, you know, if you're going to do this, maybe more than once a week. Yes, and I do was, the whole became thing. like a total lunatic about it. Oh, you did. See, I missed those years of you. Yeah, I couldn't talk about anything else. Oh yeah, I'm worried I'm still in those years myself. Um, did the girl who was the inspiration Eskimo woman? Did she stay around? Did you? Oh yeah. Up? Oh, she's still around. Mm -hmm. Good for her. Oh yeah. And so then you got super into it, and then you got less into it, and now, now you are where you are. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, yes, I'm not a, you know, I have a, a I would say uh, an incredible very strong foundation. Yeah. And, um, you know, I really did oh, the work. Yeah. So, I mean, I very much did. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think at a certain point, you know, I, I, I got to a place where it's like every single thing about me made me be here so I'm getting rid of every single thing about me and at a certain point I went you don't have to get rid of every single thing about you what do you mean like qualities qualities everything I mean a lot of things that I considered part of who I was I thought you had to get rid of yes and then I, I, I mean like way into it like really about the time you know uh, I guess in my 30s I went, oh, you know, I really miss all the, <laughs> I really miss all the people I used to like and, right. you know, I can meet friends with the people. I hadn't right. seen people, you know, and I was embarrassed. I mean, I was so, I was very embarrassed because I had kind of grown up with a bunch of people at the club right. when I was doing so well and then I felt like I, I, I felt, you know, I... I lost, you know, I was, I really felt ashamed. Right. And so I stayed away from a lot of people. So the shame, did that have to do with being like an addict, you mean, or just? I felt like a loser. I mean, right. I felt like I had been very successful and then I was a failure. Right, right, right. So, so... you know, it was embarrassing. Right. So I kind of cut, you know, everyone out of my life, except for people in the program. And yeah. Then, you know, once I left my my husband, I, I started to, you know, go, you know, go, well, you know, you know, yeah, remember how you used to uh, right. be so full of yourself? I mean, that's something, it's supposed to be Right, right, right. <laughs> you could be a little full of yourself, you know, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel like you're, yeah, I mean. I was so young when I came in. I yeah. Mean, I was, really impressionable. Yeah, and, and I took said, things to an extreme, it sounds I like. I did. I had you never, know? I mean, I don't think I had ever dedicated myself to something yeah. as intently. Yeah. And, you know, I got so much out of overcoming my own sloth that I, I really, you know, Felt like you had to do it to the extreme. Yeah, I 
really learned how to do things I didn't want to do. Yeah. I mean, that was almost the entire yeah. basis of every single thing about being sober for me. That's interesting. I mean, I, I really relate to the, well, to the cut, the cut, cutting off people. Yeah. Um, just looking. How are we doing on time? We're fine. We're, you're just being so good and giving me so much, and I'm so grateful, but we Talking are coming to much. an end. Okay. Not at all. Um, but maybe we should, I had, like, all these things that I never okay. um, even went to, because I was we just naturally came to it. But, okay, there is a question from Twitter that I take every week. Yes. This one is from... Sam Sachs underscore 0909. Um, how can, the question is, how can someone who's chosen to remain sober for 20 years lose that power of choice if they relapse? He had 140 characters. I feel like what he's saying is, like, like that, you know, which is something I feel like people who are sober and in program or whatever talk about a lot. Like, you, the, the reason that we can't go, like, smoke pot on Sundays with whoever or have a drink is that it sort of sets off that phenomenon of craving. Right. I think that's what he's actually, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that's what he's, ta he's talking about. Um, any thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, uh. Well, like you choose at 28 years to yes. not go like have a drink right now. Yes. Because? I... Well, well, look, some of it is habit. Mm -hmm. I have developed a new habit. Yeah, yeah. And I am a habitual person. Yeah. Which is what made me an addict. Right. I, um, I'm afraid. I, uh, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to lose what I have. Right. Not even just in terms of material things, because, you know, look, I got sober so young. There's definitely a part of me that goes, oh, you know, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe, Maybe it was, was a, a phase. phase. <laughs> you know, Drew Barrymore, she had a phase. Uh, yeah. Whatever, but, you know, she's functional. Maybe you'd be functional or something. Right, right. Uh, maybe it was just the cocaine. So, right. I mean, and especially with pot being around so much, I would say that the and I don't even remember if I loved pot, but there was one thing pot. I did love about pot. I loved watching reruns of pot because <laughs> I just loved it so much. I mean, Hang out, but you know, there's a thing about the nostalgia of something you're familiar with yeah. and being an adult and the drug on top of it. Yeah. I thought that was fantastic. Right. But, um,. You know, but I'm afraid of losing whatever it is yeah. I have inside. And I also feel that I want to protect the faith that I have in the program. Right. Because I might need it. Mm-hmm. You know, I my, my faith in a in a specific higher power is uh, a thing that is not as um, literal as some other people's, but my faith in the program is very strong. Right. And I don't want to tear away at it. Right. 
by destroying it. Yeah. So, and it means so much to me that I, you know, and I mean, look, I mean, uh, it occurs to me every once in a while, and I go, oh, God, it could happen so easily. Yeah. Oh, my God, what if I did it right now? And I, I used to have a real panic about that, so I almost don't like to talk about it. Right. But, um, but I, um, the desire's been taken away. I yeah. mean, isn't that what's supposed to happen? It happened to me. So weird. I'm, and I don't know. And the other thing is, how would this possibly be enjoyable to me at this point? I, you've heard, you've sat in too many. How could I enjoy? Yeah. This. Yeah. Knowing. Right. What could I be possible? Lost. Yeah. How could I possibly? I don't even yeah. think it would. It would be good. Now I will tell you. Yeah. That this is a terrible thing to say. Go ahead. Okay. About what I'm about to say. Okay, go ahead. I do fantasize sometimes about getting cancer because then I feel That's like all bets are off. To say. That's a terrible thing to say. Or then, something else. Wow. I, and I wow. go, well, well, that'd be great. I mean, then wow. nobody would be get mad at me. No, they would say, can we bring you your marijuana? I would be. It seems like the only upside. Oh God! Well, I'll but tell I, you. But even then, I worry: would I enjoy it? You wouldn't, because I'd be so anxious about the cancer. You wouldn't. I mean, this is alcoholic thinking to the max. It is. I am it is. being one hundred percent. You know, honest. and I, I love the honesty. I will tell you that I had this terrible pain, and we're totally done. But like, I had sciatica that was so bad that I had to take morphine. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's bad. It was the worst experience of my life. I wanted to die taking morphine. And I think it was just this like being so shut off from, it was fun. It was like the free laps. Oh yeah, I bet that was so great. For like three days, the most fun. Then it was hell. Three days. Because any pain thing I've had where I've taken uh, pain medication, which thankfully uh, I don't enjoy. Yeah. Well, but to me, I but did enjoy. would be great. No, no, no. Well, I did enjoy. I'm just enjoy. saying, because I've never done that. Yeah. But but whatever, you know, it's, coding or blah, blah, head surgery or, you know, and I have muscle spasms. But right. you know what? I feel great for about five minutes. It doesn't work on me. Yeah. Besides, it, oh, doesn't, it doesn't relieve the pain. It didn't really. Oh, no, it relieves. It doesn't make me. Uh, High. Yes. <laughs> right. Five minutes of. This is fantastic. You mean because you think it is working, or it does make no, no, you no, high no. for five minutes? It makes minutes. me high for five minutes, okay. and then oh, now then it wears off. I want to take another one. Yeah, and, and it's just like it's not. It's just not a. I don't get any. Yeah, <laughs> I can't get anything. Out. Well, I think yeah. I so I, I wish not cancer on you, and um, I you know I adore you. You're my idol. Um, sorry, that's yeah. a weird thing to say. Um, <laughs> And people can find you on Twitter. Yes, they of can. Course. At Claudia Lana. And um, and when does the show premiere? In October. Okay. And I don't know the date. Okay. It's on NBC Thursday nights at nine. Okay. I'll be watching. Okay. You can't set the DVR yet. Well, thank you so much thank for you so doing much, this. Sweetie.